I first went to Myanmar in 1996, rather by accident, rather than design. I ended up um, working with a lot of Kachin people on kind of cultural documentation projects while I was working with the British Council and then eventually left the British Council to focus on this entirely. And so, of course, 1996 was just at the start of the ceasefire between the KIA and the Myanmar military, which had started in 1994. And so you're just starting to see some of the um, effects of the ceasefire having an impact. And I guess my own presence in the country was part of that in the sense that before that, um, before the ceasefires had been concluded with, with numerous groups and various changes had taken place, you know, foreigners couldn't go and live in the country for a long time unless in very specific circumstances. Um, so we're still subject to quite a lot of controls and surveillance, and it certainly wasn't an easy time to be living in the country. But I became very aware of, you know, this, these changes that were taking place and also the aspirations that people had from the Kachin region that I was uh, meeting and spending a lot of time with about that you know their expectations about what the potential of this ceasefire would be and also its limitations you know people weren't going into it with rose tinted glasses at all I mean they knew that it was very problematic um, it had been set up in quite a difficult way not everybody agreed with it but you know there, there was real hope that maybe change would come about and so that was my starting point of working and living and uh, in the country and learning about it and all the relationships I was forming um, we're kind of focused in on, you know, what, what's going to happen now? Because, you know, we're, we're two years into the ceasefire. What, what's the future going to bring? You go through years and years and years. And, and I was very fortunate and privileged to be able to maintain those relationships and um, those conversations. I lived in the country for three years and then was had, had the privilege to be able to spend my time studying things full time as a PhD student. And it, it became very obvious that these conversations around the ceasefire were evolving and changing by the time you get to 2011 and the the ceasefire broke down it really wasn't a big surprise to anybody who was connected with or interested in Kachin state let alone people who live there I mean you know the it goes to that saying that it, there was a lot of support at the time for the the resumption of more aggressive tactics to to assert their rights again. This experience of the ceasefire and the expectations around it really framed a lot of my learning about Myanmar. And when I came back to the UK, um, and so was increasingly looking at this situation from the outside, it became very obvious that not many people were taking this kind of perspective. Um, and I realised, again, how privileged I'd been to be able to get to know so many people from the Kachin region at this time. And it, it was still very difficult to travel there. That I was very conscious of this gap, how people understood what was going on and how little attention was being paid to the concerns of minoritised communities around the country, not just in the Kachin state. There was a feeling that this needs to be brought more into the discussion, but it became harder and harder in many ways to do that, paradoxically, because you then started after the ceasefire developing a parallel track where in the Kachin region, things were deteriorating very rapidly. The war escalated. You get thousands and thousands of people being internally displaced. Um, and yet in the, the kind of central political life of the country, you've got this movement towards what eventually led up to the, the NLD Myanmar military power sharing government. 